0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Teddy Talks podcast. My name is Teddy Parsons, your host and continued agitator for the next 30 minutes or so. I am so excited that you're joining us today. Today, we welcome our special guest, Ron Zeider, Assistant Vice President Branch Manager for Robert Half, which is located in East Lansing, Michigan. Hey, Ron, how are you?
1: Hey, Teddy, I'm good. How are you today?
0: Good. Did I say your last name right?
1: You absolutely did, and I appreciate
0: that. Good. Okay, great. So welcome to the podcast. And again, so grateful that you're joining us today. So I always like to know, and our listeners like to know, who is Ron and what should we know about you?
1: You know, always not my favorite question, but (laughs) to give you kind of an overview, I grew up in the Detroit area a long time ago. Um, Went to Oakland University for a couple of years before transferring to Michigan State actually graduated with a degree in communications arts and sciences and was working in retail at the time and um, had an opportunity to stay with uh, retail as a management trainee. For uh, listeners of a certain age, it was Hudson's at the time. Um, You might've known it as Marshall Fields or Macy's today. Had no idea that would have turned into a 25 year career, but it did. Um, Had some great opportunities and great opportunities to learn from some fantastic leaders Um, Was obviously on the sales side, like everybody in retail, but also did some district um, stints um, for some specialty retailers, was in human resources, operations, and then eventually as a store manager. After uh, being there in 2011, was actually recruited by Robert Half to lead our our branch here in Lansing. Um, And other than running a small business for a couple of years, I've been there ever since. On the personal side, I've lived in the Lansing area for almost 30 years, which is amazing. I just celebrated 29 years of marriage with my wife, Robin, and I have two adult children, both in Michigan, one in East Lansing, one in the Detroit area. And I guess if you want to know the most about me, the toughest part of the pandemic was not eating out and not sitting at the Breslin Center watching MSU basketball.
0: (laughs) Uh, See, now you know how to give your elevator speech. So all the time when I ask that question, people are like, oh my gosh, they get, and it's really kind of our elevator speech, right? So great job. So thanks Thank again yeah thanks again for sharing that ron can you tell us more about the services that robert half offers what can people expect if they reach out to you
1: sure so we're uh, basically a global human resources consulting firm um i'm here in lansing but our headquarters is actually just outside of san francisco california um, we're actually 70 some years old we've been around since 1948 um, we're a publicly traded company and um, we're considered one of the first and largest accounting and finance staffing firms um, with over 345 locations around the world. Basically we provide talent solutions for organizations and, and we work in a couple of different spaces. We work in accounting and finance, administrative and customer service, technology and IT, creative and marketing and legal. And we also have an executive search branch of our, our business. Um, we do contract, contract to hire and direct hire. Um, I also have a loan staff team in the accounting space, and we truly keep our our pulse on all things related to talent solutions. We produce a lot of workplace research for employees and candidates to better understand the marketplace. Yeah. So basically, we help companies find talent, and we help people get jobs.
0: I like the way, I like that talent solutions, because it can be for for both the job seeker and the employer, right? So that's awesome. So let me, thanks again for sharing that information, but and we'll make sure that we list all your information under the narrative uh, for today's episode on the Teddy Talks uh, podcast. Uh, so how have you seen the business change during the epi- uh, pandemic? excuse me? Are you seeing an increase in the requests for certain types of positions more than others?
1: So, you know, to start with the spaces that we work in have always been a little bit labor, a little bit tighter than the general labor market. Um, and I guess the best way that we've decided we'll describe the current market is complicated. You know, so you really can't turn on the TV or drive down the street or look on social media without hearing about a company hiring um, or trying to find people or, or facing a pretty severe talent shortage. And you know, a couple of things around that, you know, I think we have that short-term memory. The labor market was tight before the pandemic. So it's just made it that much more worse, that much more worse. Um, you know, so you have parents that are trying to figure out remote learning for kids and don't want to make that commitment because they don't know if they can keep a commitment to an employer. Um, you have a lot of people who left the service industry and have moved to, you know, warehouse jobs or some of the gig economy jobs. Um, and last week in Michigan, and I think the US total, we actually saw the lowest number of weekly claims since the pandemic began. So, yeah, it's gotten a lot tighter um, and it's gotten a lot harder to find talented people.
0: Yeah, so this morning, Ron, it's interesting. Uh, uh, I was reading an article, and I thought I read that um, that the $300 extended unemployment benefits is coming to an end. Do you think that's going to uh, um, play into uh, the job market and uh, people who are going to be seeking out positions uh, through Robert Half?
1: Yeah, it will be interesting to watch that. And I'm, I'm pretty data driven, so no one's given me the data either way. Um, I know some states are ending that over the next couple months. Michigan's not one of them at this point in time. Um, I don't know if that that pool is exactly the pool that will fit the jobs that are out there right now. So it will be interesting to see as we get closer to um, September, what that looks like. You know, the one thing that I've said to people looking for jobs, if that is the case, and, and that proves to be true, you know, there's going to be a lot of people that jump into the labor market in September and why not jump in now when, you know, there's not as much competition and, you know, get, get a better job today because you're not competing with as, as many people. But I don't, you know, I know there's been a lot of talk about that on both sides of what that's done to the labor market, but I definitely think it plays into it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and I agree. And I, I think that's great advice about kind of being proactive and getting ahead of it, right? So great job. Okay. So let me ask you you mentioned earlier about how long Robert Half has been around. What do you believe is the key to the success of Robert Half? Why do you believe you guys are a, a world leader when it comes to talent solutions? You know, I think like any
1: business that's been around for a long time, you change, right? And you change with the times and you change with the needs. And, um, you know, this wasn't our first downturn, if you will. I mean, we've come through other downturns and we just are very nimble um, to change with the market. And I think, you know, we've invested in, in systems and technology and people that, that help us makes it, keeps it makes us successful. So, um, you know, I just think that ability to change and change with the market because in 70 years, the labor market and the technology has changed a lot, and I think you know because of the pandemic, and probably before the pandemic, the future of work is going to look a lot different than it did a few years ago, and will change with that.
0: Yeah, and I agree with you, and I also think that companies probably like Robert Half, who um, those companies who are risk adverse. Uh, probably will struggle more than those companies who take ch- and, you know, accept change like Robert Half and take risk to make change, though. Um, so, let me ask, what hiring trends are you seeing currently? And how are these different than a few years ago? What are you seeing like in hiring trends when it comes to positions? Is there, a, uh, are, they, are companies seeking out uh, a certain field more than uh, before?
1: You know, again, the, the spaces that we work in um, have always been tight. So, I mean, I think people are always looking for that skill set. You know, you have a lot of people that left the workforce because of the pandemic. You know, over the past few years, the next several years, we'll see a lot of baby boomers retire and leave the workforce. So, I you know, I think, you know, the areas that Tend to be tight, and maybe it's because we work in those areas. Are you know the accounting, finance, administrative, technology pieces of the market? I don't know if that answered your question or not, Teddy.
0: It did. You know, and you got me thinking though. So you know, because of the pandemic, have you seen like an uptick in the request um, for people who are savvy with technology? Because we became a fully uh, what technically savvy world, right?
1: Sure. One of the trends that we've seen throughout the company is you know the schools that went remote obviously needed you know some technology assistance to do that a lot of businesses that went remote needed some technology assistance to do that so um, that's always been a, a hot area or a growing area but, but um, the pandemic has probably increased that and that's not the area that I specifically work in so that's more anecdotally than um, you know what I see every day
0: yeah. Um, Ron, what do you believe is the biggest mistake that today's job seekers are making when they're searching for a new career? Uh, what have you seen that uh, that you would say, hey, you probably should not be doing this?
1: Yeah, I, you know, looking for a job is pretty emotional. You know, and you and I were talking before we, we started this, just how much time we spend working. You know, so you got to separate that emotion from there and really decide what it is. I would say what you want to be when you grow up um you know sometimes people make some really quick decisions and they're not always the best decisions you know i met someone a few weeks ago who was pretty unhappy i reached out to her yesterday cuz i had a potential position that she would have been a fit for and that same day that i talked to her she took a different job and it was completely different than anything we had talked about and i hope it works out but i think she made a really emotional decision you know the other thing too is if you're an employer you probably want to retain your employee and, you know, I, I would just say, talk to your employer. So if there's something that's not working or you're not happy about, or that your employer may be able to accommodate you on, just have that conversation, because I think, you know, you're gonna earn respect and kind of put yourself out there. And if you end up leaving later, you you know what was possible or not possible at your current employer. But I would just say, you know, take your time, define your goals and uh, it's tough to be a job seeker. So don't be discouraged.
0: Yeah, that's great advice. So. And I agree that it's, um, especially, I think, you know, during the pandemic, so many people have, um, they're either been downsized or their positions eliminated. And if you've worked somewhere for a long time, and you've never, maybe 10 years, you've not had to look for It's a much different, we're in a global job market. So it probably is, you're right, very emotional. I'm assuming physical, too you know, takes a toll on you. Well,
1: and you know, certain job seekers of a certain age too. I mean, I'm old enough where I remember you put your resume in an envelope with a cover letter and you put a stamp on it and you got a letter back, you know, so at least you knew what was going on, but people don't get that feedback and that's where it's really easy to get discouraged. So, um, you know, continue to kind of, to work through the processes, you know, utilize your network and who you know or who they may know um, to, you know, put put yourself out there.
0: Yeah. And it's, if you kind of went old school on the job seeker, I started thinking about Sunday morning, the you know, Grand Rapids Press. You got a red pen, you circled the jobs, and like you mailed out your resume. So, um, how you know, speaking of that, how important do you believe the cover letter is for today's job seeker? Some recruiters now tell me they don't really put a lot of stock in these, and they might read them, they might not. What's your thoughts on that?
1: You know, I think if somebody asks for one, you should provide one. Um, And I agree, there is a lot of thought out there on on if it's important or if it's not. I think if it does require a cover letter or you are doing a recovered letter, be brief. You know, your resume is your resume. You know, you may tweak that from job to job, but the cover letter should really speak to why am I the right candidate for this job? And let me spend a a little bit of time in this cover letter on why you should talk to me about this job, your resume may not show that. And you know, the other part, be brief. I'm writing you today to apply for this job. You know, here's my experience and why I should you know, be a candidate for this job. Thank you very much, have a nice day. You know, I think sometimes people can get pretty wordy or duplicate their resume. Um, it should be a standalone piece on that particular job.
0: Yeah, and that's great advice. You know, um, my background is HR and many years in recruiting. I also have the advantage of being a certified career coach. So when I work with clients, I tell them that the cover letter, uh, they should consider that kind of the last piece of defense. um, And to be, like you said, very specific and to the point of the position. I encourage people to go to the company they're applying for his website and find the buzzwords that they see over and over and to use those in the cover letter. Would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think, again, you know, we, we dated ourselves by talking about the Sunday newspaper, <laughs> but, um, you know, it's so easy, especially, you know, if you're discouraged and you don't have a good plan just to get really robotic in that search, you know, but I would go to the website, I would go to their LinkedIn page, I would go to their other social media and just see what that company is all about. And that might be, you know, if somebody does, and hopefully somebody does read your cover letter, but you know, that could be something you could reference in your company letter. I was excited to see the opportunity and I was more excited because you had great growth during the fourth quarter or because you just opened a new location in city ABC. Um, and so you can demonstrate that you've done your research.
0: Yeah, I think that is really good advice. So the, here's another, as we're talking about keeping kind of along the line of the a job search, how long should a person wait to contact the company they applied for a position with? Is there any type of professional etiquette that you know of that you would advise on this on how long someone should wait. Um, Because you mentioned earlier, sometimes, uh, you know, I I know where I used to work, I was a stickler, if um, you know, we answered, we had automated thing that said, thank you for applying, we received your information, you know, and I can say from the past, I I've had companies, people have reached out to me and said, you don't know how much I appreciate that I applied at 20 positions, and not one of them responded to me. So when should someone contact a company? What do you think?
1: Yeah, and again, I think like everything else we talked about, we could probably go out and research that question and get, you know, a 100 different answers. But, you know, I think, you know, you can contact somebody, but also it's the method that you contact somebody. So, you know, if you're not on LinkedIn and you're a job searcher, that's a good tool to, to reach out to somebody. So maybe you contact them, you know, with another letter or another email, but um you know, maybe it's via LinkedIn, like, hey, it looks like you might be the the person responsible for this job. I just wanted to connect with you and let you know that I applied. It depends where it's at in the process. So if you do have the opportunity to interview with a company, I would email a thank you letter or thank you email that same day.
0: Okay, so Ron, you just made me uh, think of another kind of the debate, the thank you letter. So, you know, now if you go and you look at, um, you know, career blogs, uh, they say that you should correspond in the way the company corresponded with you. So, if it was by email, you respond by email. But there's a lot of people who still believe in old school that you should hand write a thank you letter or a thank you card. What is your thought on that? Do you have any thoughts on what you would advise someone?
1: Yeah, I I think we've moved to electronics are more than acceptable. I think if you do write a thank you card, it's going to separate you from people. Um, You know, the timing of where their decision's at and and where that thank you card arrives in the mail might be two different things, especially with a lot of companies working remote, a lot of interviews happening over Zoom and and Teams formats. Um, But I think it separates you out there. I think you, you need to do one. Um, you know, and again, talk about not just thank you, but like your cover letter, make it custom, thank you for the time, you know, here's why I'm even more interested in the job, you know, and and the bullet points around that.
0: Yeah, and I agree with you, I advise clients to always immediately follow up with a email after, um, you know, they've heard from someone, but more so the thank you card to me is really important if you've got that first interview. It's, uh, I think that's really important. So, Okay, so let's keep stick on this uh, topic. So someone gets the interview, Ron. Um, and we've heard in the past that when you are going to your job interview, you should dress like the CEO or your, the boss's boss, right? And I'm curious if you think this is still important or not.
1: Boy, that's a really good question um, because so much is about culture, right? So I mean, I think you know any professional job and you know managerial and above jobs, um, you probably should dress like, Um, you know, you bring your professional dress. You know, the CEO, a lot of times is wearing jeans and a t-shirt, depending on the company that that you're working for. I would never wear jeans and a t-shirt to an interview or advise anybody to do that. But I don't think it's necessarily, you know, a suit and tie, um, you know, or or, or a dress for, for women anymore. I think it's, you know, a little bit based on what that company's culture is. And I think a lot of times, larger companies or companies with recruiting teams will advise you around that a little bit. Because yeah. you, be, you wanna be comfortable and feel like you can present yourself, but you don't wanna be the only person that's dressed that way in a room. So um, that's a great question. And I think it's really situational.
0: Yeah, and you brought up a good point, because all my years in HR, I always, when we secured an interview, I followed up what they should expect at the interview. And I would say we are very business casual, uh, no need for a tie, uh, because I one time uh, you know, was very dressed up and uh, the HR manager came out and she quickly said, will you please remove your tie and uh, loosen your shirt? Uh, we don't dress like that here. And she it was just like, kind of made me panic and everyone was in jeans and t-shirts. So it really was one of those. So it's, I think that's a really uh, good piece of advice. And, and I think a lot of companies you're right now, they're very casual. I mean, especially now, you know, every it's very casual. And, and what is, okay, let me ask you, what what would you say if um, someone said, should I ask the um, recruiting manager, the HR manager, how I should dress? Would that be okay?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think if you're, you know, working with a recruiting manager, or an HR manager, and not the hiring manager, I think those questions are all really appropriate. You know, the other thing that, that people are learning is how to conduct yourself or how to prepare for a video interview. So um, I haven't, put it a percent wise but i think the majority of our clients are talking to people via video for that first meeting you know and how do you make sure that you're in the right room in your house where it's quiet and the lighting's good and the background's neutral and you still dress appropriately for that interview so um kind of a whole new aspect of uh being interviewed
0: yeah you know that's great advice because i know where i used to work uh we you know we were very invested in the communities and we served and uh, we asked for writing samples um, and it was always very interesting on what we received back, but we, we uh, so I think uh, our listeners should know if they're seeking some places are going to ask for writing samples. Do you see that as well?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, depending on the job, there's, there's different things that the companies will ask for if it be an assessment of some skills or a writing sample, you know, I think from an employer standpoint, we've really talked about the job seeker. You got to think that people have choices and, and how do you make that process appropriate to attract the right people, but not make it too complicated and not ask for too much.
0: Yeah, that's, yeah, tr- very true. Because, you know, again, we're in a global job market and someone can say, well, gosh, Mike, if they're going to be like this, I'm not going to work for that company. So, uh, good exactly. advice. yeah. So let me ask, where do you see um, Robert Half in the next year post the pandemic or how do you see your services changing? Have you guys thought about that strategy? Um, I'm sure you have your big company, but uh, where do you see like your office in particular, like, you know, because you're here in the Lansing region? um, Like, you know, are you forward thinking about uh, past the pandemic, um, what might change and what you're strategizing for?
1: Yeah, I mean, we'll continue to provide solutions for clients. You know, one of the things that we were able to do is, you know, not every client has a a way to have somebody work remotely. So we were able to provide laptops for um, candidates to work remotely that a company might not be able to provide. So, um, you know, I always say I wish I had a crystal ball. Boy, over the past year and the next year, I wish I had a crystal ball. I don't know what the future will work will look like, but I know that we'll adapt and adjust and you know, be able to provide that service to our clients.
0: Yeah, so Ron, let me ask um, if somebody like right now, uh, currently, if somebody uh, needs to come to your office, uh, job seekers, uh, somebody looking to hire you guys, um, is your office opened? Are you guys um, back or how is that working if somebody wants to come in and meet with you?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, we're following, you know, the guidelines that that are out there. Um, Per, per local listing so here in Michigan you know the guidelines have been work remote if you can work remote and then we want to make sure that we set ourselves up to be successful when we go back so um, so today you, you wouldn't come to our office but we have enough channels and um, accommodations where we'd be able to, to meet with you and um, provide that same service if you had been in our office
0: Yeah and again on the information on this episode we'll make sure people know how to reach you so unfortunately, our time is coming to an end, but I do want to ask you one last question. What would be the top piece of advice you would give today's job seekers on what they really need to know to succeed? What would you tell them if they said to you, I need some uh, pearls of wisdom? What would you tell them, Ron?
1: You know, we talked about quite a few of those things, but I just think it would be um you know don't be afraid to stretch yourself you know i just heard a statistic the other day that sometimes when somebody reads a job description they'll read it very specific and rule themselves out so i would say stretch yourself but you know before all of that um decide what it is that you want to do and and why you want to do that and then tailor your job search and the places that you're applying accordingly
0: yeah great advice i also remind people that um you know, uh, be be mindful of the positions you're applying for that you have the skills needed. For those, I've actually had clients, I'm like, why would you apply to be a heart surgeon? You know, you have an associate's degree. Not that I don't encourage people to step outside the box, but I think you have to have a realistic mindset when you're applying for those positions. Would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, and I, you know, I think the other side of that is employers, um, you know, my advice to employers is look for those transferable skills and, you know, that person that they want or the person that they had in mind may not be out there, you know, but what can they bring to the table and what coaching and development and tutorials can we do to help them get to that level um, that that we need for our company?
0: Yeah. And, uh, you know, as we get ready to wrap up here, I think that's great advice. And also as you and I were talking uh, before we started recording about, you know, a lot of your talents right there within your own company. And, and what um you know how are you seeking out uh, that talent you know i kind of call some of them diamonds in the rough but how are you seeking them out so instead of going outside you can find some of that talent right inside of your organization
1: sure and so, we, we didn't really talk about the employer and i know we're wrapping up but i, I think as an employer you really got to focus on that retention piece right now you know and part of that retention piece is training and development and investing in people so so they stay with you and they can help you grow
0: Yes, and I'm going to reiterate and say it again. I love what you said about that investment. And you do have to invest in your team and in the employees you have. Um, Yeah, because they they can also be the best recruiters to help you find uh, great people like themselves as well. Great advice. So, Ron, thank you again for joining me today on Teddy Talks. I have... Thank you. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. (laughs) Nope, I have my ending spiel, so I'll let you go.
1: (laughs) No, I was just going to say thank you. I didn't realize you were still spieling, so.
0: Yeah, I spiel a lot, so So thanks again. I have truly enjoyed our conversation and hope we will see you again on a future episode. You can find out more about Ron and how to connect with him at teddytalks.com. Thanks again, everyone, for joining us on another episode of Teddy Talks. Remember, no matter where life's journey takes you, it's always a great time to grab a cup of coffee some hot tea or a martini and let's keep talking.